just let everything happen the way I want it to happen and blame it on God. Somebody say fatalism. Now look at Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 15 and let's see if the Bible teaches this doctrine. Some of you are already thinking ahead. You already know where I'm going. Even by the title, it's your choice. But I want to give you the opportunity to think for yourself. I don't want you to take my word for it. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 15. Here is God speaking to Moses, and Moses therefore speaking to the people. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commands, to keep His decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the lands you are entering to possess. Verse 17, but if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day, somebody say this day. Come on, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life. Amen. How many agree with God right there? Thank you, Lord, helping us out. We needed that. So thank, so thank, so that you and your children may what? Live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Does that sound like fatalism to you? Does that sound like God just say, hey guys, you just go out here and play in the playground of life and I'll just do what I do and we'll just meet somewhere at the end and I won't blame you for any of the bad stuff because I know you didn't have a choice anyway. Is that what he says? Can you imagine this in heaven? God, of course I was homosexual. You made me that way. I didn't have a choice. God, of course I had to murder the person. I mean, you saw how they cut me off in traffic. Come on, God, of course I had to look at pornography. Why did you make them so beautiful if you didn't want us to undress them and look at them? Hello, these are the excuses that I hear all the time. But do you think that would make any sense before God? According to this scripture. Now the first question you have to ask yourself is why does God give the people a choice between life and death? If I were God, I would say, you're going to choose life. This is the way it's going to be. You must go to heaven. I don't look at my child and say, here's a shotgun, here's a toy, your choice. Hello? How many don't do that? And how many know that there's not really a choice? It's like, let me ask you the question. Do you want to die today or do you want to live? I don't know. I'm tossing it up. But why? Is God playing with us? Is God treating us as children here? No, I want to give you the first reason why today fatalism cannot be true and why God gives us a choice, because God is love. You see, God is love, the Bible teaches in 1 John chapter 4, that God is love. And so if you love someone, you give them a choice. 
Now, obviously, when you give them choices, it comes with parameters. God doesn't give us the choice, do you want to be human or be a bird and fly over to the the mountain, okay? He doesn't say, do you want to be a human or a Martian and live on Pluto? Pluto. He gives us parameters within the choice. So to take the example to my child, it would be to my child, do you want to be a good girl or a bad girl? I'm giving her a choice. Are you understanding? But which one do you think I want her to choose? Good girl. Yes, good girl. That's what we want, okay? And so this is what's going on. God is saying, I love you. I will not force you, but I'll give you a choice. And now you choose life or death. Now here's the other thing is how many people obviously would say life. Probably the whole world today that has a sense in their brain and, and, and is okay and is a healthy person, everybody would raise their hand and say, yes, pastor, I choose life. But do they want the parameters that come with life? See, look how God defines what life is, first of all. Number one, he says the Lord is your life. So I can't say I'm going to serve Muhammad and have life. I can't say I'm going to serve religion and have life. The first thing I have to realize is that God is my life. And then the second thing I learn is that if I want to have life, I have to love God and to walk in his ways. So it's kind of like my mom and dad are, are here. They can testify that they had to kick me out a few different times as a teenager. And I thank God for them. This was the choice. You can live here or you can live on the streets. And how many know the choice is pretty simple for me? I want to live here. I don't want to live on the streets. I've slept there before. I slept in the backyard because my mom wouldn't let me. And I'm telling you the truth. You want to see some tough love? This is a praying mama right here, okay? Some of you all can learn from this. It's not softy time, okay? So my mama was tough on me. And I said, I want to live here. And then guess what she said next? Then obey the rules. You see, it's one thing to say, yes, I want to live. Yes, I want to have a great life. Yes, I want to be blessed, prosper, success. But here's the next question. Do you want to do it God's way? The title of today's message is, it's your choice. And don't blame God for the choices you make. You see, it's your choice. You get to choose today, life or death, prosperity or failure, success or failure. You get the opportunity today to choose who you will serve and how you will serve. Do you know that when we look at God, he gives us commandments, but you don't have to follow them? How many have ever told a lie before? Some of you all lying right now. Why we got this problem in church? How many have told a lie? Raise your hand in the air. Okay. You've told a lie, right? When you told that lie, was it just, you know, like your mom was like, did you take the cookies out the cookie jar? And you're like, mm, no. And you were trying to say no, but God like froze your tongue and you're like, Ugh. did that happen? And then all of a sudden it's like, like lightning, liar. Did that happen? No. So guess what? You can break God's commands. How many know people do it all the time? How many know when we used to break God's commands, we actually kind of bragged about it? I drank so much beer last night. Oh, I had a good time. Maybe you didn't talk with the southern drawl, but we used to brag, right? But we used to talk about our sin, right? You go into a guy's locker room, teenagers, hey, what are they going to be talking about last week and the girls that they had and all these different things? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you go to work tomorrow, your friends, your boss is going to brag about their money, their vacation that they're going to take in Tahoe or, or uh, you know, wherever they're going to Vegas, all of these different things. Well, you know what? It's our choice. God never wanted us to be forced to choose him. 
And you know what? If you want to stop the game right now, if you say, you know what? I don't like playing it this way. I want to just go to heaven and do it my way. Then you got a problem. That's called rebellion. Because you did not create yourself. Now you are here by God's rules, God's commands, and there's only two ways to do it, life or death. And if you say, yes, I want life, then you have to follow his commands. Can you say amen? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 24. I mean, excuse me, Joshua. Joshua was the predecessor to Moses. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. I want you to see it again. How clearly the Bible teaches us. And today, when you walk out of here, you will know for sure if you are living for God or if you're living for yourself, which in turn is the devil. There is no other option. A lot of people think that they can make like three and four multiple choices on the quiz. You can't. It's only one or the other. Look at Deuteronomy. I don't know why I love Deuteronomy so much. Joshua, help me, Lord. Chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua, now at the end of his life, by the way, that was towards the end of Moses' life. Those were his final words. This is Joshua, the man who came after Moses. Listen to his final words. Joshua 24:15. It says this, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Somebody say, choose for yourself. See, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, y'all got to hear what he's saying here today. You see, the first thing that Joshua brings up is that serving God may be undesirable to some people. Let's not be so religious on, on Sundays. Can we just keep it real? Hello? Can we just talk about why some people aren't here today, but they're watching the Bears game? God have mercy. Hello? Ain't nothing worth watching. Amen? They just need our prayer. Come on. Let me tell you something. Sometimes God's commands actually seem undesirable. They do. And if you look at it from a different perspective, sometimes they can just seem darn right mean. Let's go back to that example of having sex before marriage and it being a sin. Why? They're not hurting anybody. There's no crime being committed. And who is this Old Testament God to tell us thou shalt not commit adultery anyway? We're having fun. We're responsible adults. We use protection. Isn't that what the world says today, my friends? Isn't that what they portray on all of these TV shows, Desperate Housewives? Hey, who does it hurt anyway? Or what about tithing and giving to the church? I mean, come on. Those guys will be fine in India. Hey, you know, I worked hard for my money. I deserve this new car. I deserve these new clothes. Why should I give 10% to the church? Hey, did you see where the pastor lives? Oh, do you see how they, they use the money? You know, I don't think they need it. You see, so often when we don't guard our heart, the commands of God can seem undesirable. Let me talk to the young people. Who are those parents anyway? Do they really know what they're talking about when they say, make your bed? Come on, look at the bed. It's fine. It's not made. Nothing's going to happen. It's, it's perfectly fine. But the commandment says, thou shalt obey your parents. 
And sometimes, young people, it's undesirable. Your flesh won't get excited and go, yippee, I get to clean the house today. Hello, can I just keep it real today? You see, Joshua said, hey, guys, if it's undesirable to you, that's on you. If you want to look at another God and say, I want to worship that, that's on you. But as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. You see, the the choice is yours today, my friend. And how much he loves us to give us that choice. You see, I've, I've argued with atheists and they've gotten so angry. That God gave them that choice. They say, well, if God was God and he knew that Adam and Eve would sin, then why did he give them the choice? Just don't give them a choice. But they don't understand. If I made my wife marry me, that's not love. You see, God is love. He doesn't make you or I serve Him. He set before Adam and Eve the same thing. He said, here's the whole garden, guys. Here it all is. All of your favorite fruit, mangoes, peaches, pears, apples, bananas, all of that. But here's one tree. Don't eat of it because in that day you shall surely die. You know what it was? It was love. It was God saying, I'm not going to force you to stay here. I'm not going to force you to do this. If you don't like it here, if you don't like walking with me in the cool of the day, if you don't like what I brought you here to do, then that's your way out. But here's the thing, and my dad always taught me this, and this is the tough part. You may be able to make your choices, but you can't choose your consequences. You see, that's the thing today, my friends. It is your choice. You can stick your nose up at God and say, you know what? I don't need that, God. And I can stand on this edge and say, I don't need gravity either. Gosh darn it, it don't even exist. But it still does. And you can thumb up your nose to God and say, I don't need God. I'll live life perfectly fine without Him. Look at me. Look at my family. Look at my house. Look at my beautiful children. All of that. And I didn't need God. You know what? You will die and find out how, how much you need God. Your soul will stand before the Maker of the universe. And you will suffer eternal damnation. Because, baby, you can choose your own choice, but not your consequences. You see, you can say right now, I choose to walk across that street, but you cannot choose whether or not that car will put on its brakes. And you see what God is saying out of love is make the right choice. Make the right choice. Not because you have to, but because you want to. You know why today serving God is more desirable to me? It's not because I get a a better job. I don't know what I would have been without God. Probably a criminal. Some of you don't know my testimony. I was saved at 18. I was a high school dropout at that time. I had been arrested eight times. I was a drug dealer. My life was messed up. So I don't know where I would be without God. Maybe some of you, you don't have that same testimony. Maybe you were the head of your class. Straight A students never touched alcohol or drugs. But I want to tell you something. Both of us without God would have perished equally. There's no big sinners and little sinners. But listen, I don't serve God because today I get to be a pastor. I don't serve God today only because I have a beautiful wife, a family, things that I know that I never would have had, and certainly I know sinners cannot have. They can't hold a family together. I've seen them fall apart all the time. Hello. I was just sitting at a family function looking at one of my relatives, totally depressed, no answer given by any of his families, but we have the answer. It's Jesus. I don't serve God for that. I don't serve God for what he gives me. You know why I serve him? Listen, when I was 18 years old, And I knew I was a sinner. 
And I knew I deserved punishment. You know what my mom told me? He loves you. I serve him because he first loved me. You see, I choose him because he loves me. He wants me. He went after me. When I rejected him, he still called my name. When I listened to music that hated him, he still loved me and sang songs over me. When I lived my life as a sinner, he protected me and allowed me not to die two and three times when I was reckless. And you know what? If you look at your life, that's what it comes down to, my friends. He loved you enough to give you this choice. And he's standing at your door of your heart. And he's saying, do you love me? He's saying, do you love me? You see, today, if there is still a a hesitation in your choice, if there is still a debate going on in your mind between life and death and God and the devil, it is because you do not realize how much he loves you. I want you to look at a scripture with me, John 3.16, as if it was the first time you were ever looking at it. And I want to encourage some of you people who might be considered backsliders or, or dry in your faith or, or letting the fire burn out to hear this again and get inspired to serve God. Hear it again for the first time. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. If you know it by heart or want to speak it, you can with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. But now read the next verse. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But listen, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Listen to me, everybody. Look up at me, please. I love you, but i got to tell you this. Without Christ, you're already perishing. You don't have to sin another sin. You could say from this day forward, I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to help old ladies across the street. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give all my goods to the poor. Listen to me. You have already been condemned. Why? Because you're a sinner and you have sinned. And one sin is impossible to to, to make up in God's court. Let me give you the example. Let's pretend today somebody was convicted of murder. They stand before the judge. Are you a murderer? Yes, I did it. I shouldn't have done it. And then they say, how do you plead? I plead guilty. And then as they're about ready to give out the the judgment, imagine this guy saying, hold on, hold on. Before you give me the judgment, let me tell you, I've walked old ladies across the street. I used to always give back the, the right change at the grocery store when they used to give me too much. I used to be nice to people and say howdy doody when I would see them on the streets. Do you think the judge should change his sentence for the murderer based on what they did before? Because the one act, the one act, the one act of murder now stands alone and deserves to be punished. Do you understand that your one sin deserves to be punished? Do you know that when Adam and Eve made a choice to disobey, they didn't go out and sell drugs. They didn't go become those people. All they did was disobey. Disobedience is the worst sin. And all other things come from that. Child molesting comes from disobedience. Anger and violence comes from disobedience. Adultery. Child uh, child abuse. Abuse all comes from what? Disobedience. So at heart, who are we all? Disobedient. And now listen to the love story. He says, I love you and I'll come and die for you. Even though you're condemned already, all you have to do is believe. He says, I, uh, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Whoever believes in Him shall not perish. Now go to John, uh, James chapter 4, verse 4. How many understand it's your choice? About five of you. What about the rest of you? Amen. 
Come on, somebody say, it's my choice. James chapter 4, verse 4. Yes, there will be consequences to your choice, but it's still your choice. Now, you're about ready to read the Bible as it is, okay? We're not going to give you the the PG version of it. Okay, this is what it is. Some of you all may not have read this in your Sunday school class. Here it comes. You all ready? Okay. Somebody say, just give me the Bible. Okay, I'm sorry. I forgot my stories about Bambi when I was a kid growing up on the farm, okay? I got to give you the Bible today, amen? I'm tired of hearing preachers tell the stories about their lost puppy dog and how it meant so much to them and they found it and all this. Listen, this is the Bible. This is the Word of God. It's tight, but it's right. It's going to be tough. It's going to hurt a little bit, some of you. It's going to make some of you feel uncomfortable right now. But it's the Word and it will bring you life. Amen? You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? I don't see how the writer could be any more serious than that. He says, you're an adulterer and a fornicator when you want to be a friend with this world and you turn your back on God. Well, I'm just going to try it out a little bit. No, no, no. That's like me saying, honey, I'm just going to try out Sally Sue over here. Is that okay? I'm just going to kiss her a little bit, try her out. Oh, you know what? I'm going to come back to church when I'm ready. Nancy, I'll come back home when I'm ready. It's the same application. He takes adultery, the thing that we know tears people apart. You've been in love, some of you here. Some of you as teenagers, you've been cheated on. God forbid if it's happened in marriage, we, we feel pity for you. Listen to me. It is a shameful, hurtful thing to be in love with somebody than for somebody to be totally dishonest, break their vows, break their covenant, sneak into dark, dingy hotel rooms, do things forbidden by God, and then to come back smiling, I still love you. That is sinful in God's eyes. And he He says it here to a group of people. He says, if you try to do that with the world and God, you are an adulterer. And the way it turns out to God is as hatred. God hater. Oh, yes, I tell it to people on the street after they describe their spiritual life to me. I say, according to the Bible, you're a God hater. Oh, I didn't say that. I just said I don't have time for church. No, 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 you you don't understand. You have time for the bears. You have time for your job. By you becoming a friend of the world, you hate God. You are a God-hater according to His definition. Help us, Lord, to hear it today. Anyone who chooses, keep reading, to be a friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Oh, God, have mercy. How many people today are enemies of God? They're enemies of God. Do you know that the Bible says that if Jesus Christ did not come to die for us, that we would all still be that way right now? Read the story of Noah and the ark. They did all the evil that came before their eyes. I mentioned Mardi Gras to you earlier. My friends, all New Orleans does is just lift off the the law just a little bit, just gives a little bit more leeway to the sinner, and they take off to the moon with it. Las Vegas just gives a little bit more leeway and look what people do. My friend, we become the enemy of God when we give into this world. Verse 5. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why the Scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Somebody say thank God for grace. 
There is something on the inside of you that's not going to let you do that very easily. It's called the Holy Ghost. And if you have not been saved yet, it's called your conscience, and it's going to work against that. When you start breaking the laws of God, you're going to know you did something wrong. Nobody was there the first time you told a lie to tell you that lie was wrong, but you knew it was wrong. You know what it was like being a child that first time you stole something and you just knew it was wrong. They tried to call that moral evolution, but that is baloney. That is called your conscience, my friends. And your conscience is a gift from God. And it's supposed to lead you to right thinking, making good choices. And then greater than that, when you accept the Lord into your heart, you're born again. As John chapter 3, verse 3 says, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, God the third person, and He leads you into truth. So now those of us who accepted Christ, we have no excuse to go to the world. Because if we start watching that rated R movie, and, and all of a sudden it gets to be that adulterous scene, something inside of us will say, don't look at that, turn your head. Or when we're listening to the radio, and we start hearing that song, something will say, turn it off. Or when we're with a group of friends, and they begin to talk and gossip, God will say, move away from that conversation. How many know what I'm talking about? Thank God for the grace of the Holy Ghost. Now look at verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do you know that's all you have to do, all I have to do? The devil has no control unless we give it to him. Resist. Somebody say resist. Come on, say it like you're up. Resist. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And look at verse 8. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So you want to choose God today? That's what it takes. You might say, well, pastor, I've already chosen God, but I feel a lot of temptation. Well, that word is for you. Do not be an adulterer. Let that bring a holy fear inside of your heart. I do not want to break God's commands because it is hatred towards Him. I do not want to do these things down here because it's an enemy of God. As the old preachers used to say, I would rather be a friend of God and an enemy of the world than to be a friend of this world and an enemy towards God. I would rather have God with me and the world against me than to have the whole world with me and have God against me. Somebody say it's your choice i got about eight more scriptures. How many are ready to hear them? Somebody say amen. Somebody say help them, Lord. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Maybe that was a sign. Come on, Matthew chapter 7. I want to give this to you so plain today that nobody walks out of here saying, I don't think I have a choice. Yes, you do. And to think otherwise would to make God be unloving. Matthew chapter 7 is the end of the discussion known as the Beatitudes Sermon on the Mount. Jesus giving his great lengthy discourse in Matthew. All of the things you've heard about, blessed are the poor in spirit, the meek, all of those things are in the preceding chapters. Now go to Matthew chapter 7. He's now teaching you, um, uh, yeah, Matthew 7 verse 4. He's now going to teach you about asking and praying and not being a hypocrite. Go to verse 7 of Matthew 7, verse 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. How many people are getting the understanding, I've got to do something? How many have ever stood before a door and just wanted it to open but never knocked to get it open? Like see that movie, they stare at goats or something. I don't know what's up with that movie, but it looks goofy. They're staring at it and the goat falls over. How many just do that? How many just, you just look at your phone and you just go, answer? The phone is ringing and you're just like, answer? No, we don't do that, do we? How many have ever wanted something from your friend, but you don't ask? You just look at him. 
Can I borrow your shirt? Think about it. We don't do that. When we need something, we ask. When we stand at a door, we knock. When there's something that is not easily found, we seek. What is God teaching you? Knock at his door. God, I need help. God, I need you to teach me your ways. Ask him. God, I'm asking today for guidance. I'm asking who's the woman or man I'm supposed to marry. God, what job am I supposed to have? I'm seeking. Maybe the answer is not easily found today, but I'm going to seek in the word. I'm going to seek advice because I want to have an answer. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Come on. Now go to verse 13. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Here is the crushing blow to fatalism. Here it is right now. I want everybody to be a part of this sociological and psychological or whatever um, test right here. We're going to give it a test. Everybody that can hear my voice, I'm not going to make you do anything crazy. Just, Just help me out here. Raise your right hand. Everybody can. Come on. Okay, now do me a favor, pat your neighbor on the back, pat him, okay, now do me a favor and pinch them, okay, we just proved through psychology, sociology, everything, we just did an experiment, you can follow instructions, we've proved that, you can equally do things that help and that are good, and you can equally do things that are bad and that are evil. It's your choice. Now, guess who controls those arms and legs every day? Right here. You do. And you see it's your choice. Now God presents a pathway before you. Narrow path is his way. It's going to be harder. It's going to cost you something. It's going to be something that other people are going to mock you for. Matter of fact, it's going to cost you your life. There's another path that's going to be easier. And I love the way another preacher said, he said it's wide because you can bring everything and everyone on it. You can bring your job on it. You can bring your friends on it. You can bring your attitude on it. Some of us got, had a big attitude. Come on, big attitudes on it, big heads on it. You can bring your ego on it. You can bring your pride on it. You can bring your money, and it's wide. Somebody say it's a wide gate. But the narrow gate, you can't bring anything. And to get on the bridge, you have to die. The past is death to live, and it's your choice. I want you to see it clear, clearly in Luke chapter 9 in closing today. Somebody say, it's my choice. Praise God, it was your choice to come to church this morning. I'm glad to see everyone here. I hope that if anyone is struggling with a choice to serve God, you've made your mind to serve Him, because obviously you don't want the consequence. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. One of the saddest and most challenging scriptures you'll ever read in your life. Matthew chapter, or Luke rather, chapter 9, verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my dead father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Do you see that? That can be also the saddest and challenging text you'll ever read in the Bible. These are not God-haters as we would think. These are men who serve God in their way. They're saying, I believe you. 
and I want to follow you. But I can't come right now. I first have to go back and say goodbye. My friends, are they asking anything irrational? How many would like to say goodbye to your family before you would go on a three-year trip to China? Hello, I would. How many? Think through the Bible with me today, friends. Don't be so spiritual. You miss the practical applications. How many would want to be at a funeral the day or the day they were celebrating or the day your family member died and expect the church to, to see you the next day? I can't come to church today, guys. My dad, here he is. He passed away. I have to go. What did Jesus tell these people? Did he tell these people, hey, it's okay. I understand. You know, life is busy. You got family. You got friends. You know, things happen. Put those things before my kingdom. I understand. I'll be here when you get back. I mean, couldn't he have said that? I mean, obviously, Jesus is Jesus. He knows that he's going to be around for a few more days. He could just say, hey, okay, uh, bury your dad. I'm going to be in Capernaum this day, and the next day I'll be in Judah. Just meet me there. I'll, I'll be there. Why does he call men to account right there? Because when Jesus spoke, he spoke with the voice of God. And God comes first always. And my biggest fear for you today as a congregation is not that you'll leave out of here and do some gross, disgusting sin that will get you a headline on the news that happens so often in our society. My concern for good-hearted people that would show up here today is that you would just make simple little compromises in life that you justify to not put God first. Of course I can't pray right now. i got so much to do with my family. God wants me to take care of my family. Oh, you know, of course, I can't come to church. You know, my husband, he's not saved. If I go to church and you know, I come back, he's going to be mad at me. You know, of course, I can't preach to my friends because, you know, I sit at the lunch table. And then if I preach to them, they're not going to be my friend. I'm going to have nowhere to sit. You see, it's those small compromises that we begin to think to ourselves, God understands my choice. I want you to be challenged by this today. If he didn't make allowances for people to compromise for a death in their family, if he didn't make a choice uh, acceptable uh, for them to stay at home and and say goodbye before they go, he's not going to do that with you. Every day you're making choices for life or death. Weigh them in the balance of what God says. Amen? Would you stand to your feet with me today? And Can you bless the Lord if you love him for his word today? Amen? Praise God. We thank you today for your word, God. Band, would you come as we prepare to pray? Lord, we thank you, God, for this message. It's our choice. I said teasingly that I had eight more scriptures. I knew I probably wouldn't get through all of them, but I do have them here. And Lord God, you put so many more on my heart that I couldn't even have time to write down. Lord, you've spoke to us so simply today through your word. I pray that it will resound in our heart. If anyone was wondering today why things were the way they were, God, I pray they don't just blame you and say, well, it's all because of fatalism. God just does what he wants. God, I pray today that we'll take some responsibility.